Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual Healing. So I was curious what you guys thought about this particular news item and that it combines pop culture and the government, as B. Arthur puts it on the Golden Girls. Um, Representative Robert Garcia, who's a Democrat from California, used time on the floor uh, recently during a House Oversight Committee called by Republicans about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings to recite a monologue from the Real Housewives of uh, okay, of, of uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah, let's play that. We have receipts, proof, a timeline, screenshots. We have everything we need to prove conclusively. Receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, f***ing everything. Oh, my God. Can I tell you? I mean, well, no, please finish, finish explaining and then I'll freak out. So I, I don't watch Salt Lake City, um, but I know that uh, th- this is Heather. She's confronting a castmate about her role in some anonymous no. troll on Instagram. So much bigger than that, but go on. Okay. But <laughs> so anyway, so I, I'm just so I was curious what you guys thought, because he says that he used it to pivot the conversation <clears throat> to Trump's record. He uh, said, what do we have as Democrats? We have receipts. You heard him say that. He, he, his defense for this um, is that he says, I always try to bring my perspective, my gayness to what I do in Congress. Mm-hmm. I thought it might be funny, but also a way of educating some folks that are maybe unaware of what I believe is a big grift being run by Donald Trump in a way that's easier for them to understand. Yeah. Um, I am curious what you guys think, because to me, it, it it's kind of tacky and and bums me out but i don't want to i don't want to be a spoil sport so well so i'll i'll okay how do i want to respond first i'll respond is in, that the right term spoil sport is that no, is i that mean yes i think so yes okay, um, it is tacky sport. but i don't think it's any different than what politicians on both sides of the aisle do to get attention i mean they're trying to create mm-hmm. attention and news items based on their questioning and and testimony and all the things so it's no different than you know, the whiteboard or the the quoting something ridiculous or like Elizabeth Warren stuff or even what Kamala Harris did oftentimes when she was a senator. So like there are certain things that you know to do that will get attention while you're asking your questions that will then become a news item that then makes you a news item. And that's clearly what he was doing. He was taking something that everyone was talking about in culture. And that thing that people are talking about is this really sort of shocking moment on reality TV where a cast member on a show is proven to be somebody other than what anybody thought she was. And it's all revealed in that last episode. And that's, that's the shocking thing. And so he was using that and the popularity of that to get attention for his line of questioning and really, he, but he he baked he baked it in like secretly. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't. No, like, it's, I'm he, quoting... he baked it in the same way every other politician bakes in any other thing that they do to try to get attention using a newsy item or a pop culture item. Just like the senator who read off the the porn description. I remember a couple months ago there was some yeah there was hmm. a senator from uh from West Virginia who he they gave a very graphic description of a porn something or a sex letter or something, something crazy. And it was ridiculous to hear him saying that. And he intentionally did that because he knew it would get attention. And so mm. that's that's their ultimate goal is to get attention. Yeah, you know- what Brent uh, thinks about if this, if it lacks decorum or if it's- a- I definitely initially was kind of bummed out by it. Now that you've read sort of his his background explanation, I, I doubt it would work, but I think- I, I, I doubt it would, I, perhaps a better way of phrasing is, I doubt it would make an impact in the people who are following some of these, you know, horse shit stories. Um, but I, I mean, I see the strategy. I, I definitely like, we had a, I'm forgetting exactly who it was, but we had a guest on the program who kind of talked about how the need to kind of be loud and outlandish is so important as a politician in the era of social media. And I think that's unequivocally a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being sort of a boring, tepid politician shouldn't be necessarily bad and that we shouldn't always be constantly chasing, uh, trying to one up each other to get the most attention for the most outrageous or bizarre thing you could possibly do in in the halls of Congress. So, you know, it definitely bums me out. But, you know, I see that there's a strategy. I, I certainly don't think it's like profoundly nefarious, but I don't know. Yeah. He, he does, said, it doesn't make you feel great about the, the health of our no, democracy. Doesn't. 
And he in particular like made it about being gay by saying, uh, quote, there are only about 10 LGBTQ members of Congress and I come from a different generation than most of them. Being gay is a huge part of who I am and I'm not going to hide that. Yes, I am a fan of The Real Housewives. And yes, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And yes, I like Britney Spears and Beyonce. <laughs> okay, okay. I yeah, I, I, and I think that's what bums me out even more is that you're like, I mean, these all of these things are perfectly fine. We talk about all, all the three of us like all of those things one at a time, you know, individually uh, spread throughout the three of us. But like, yeah. You're just like, all right, I, again, you're it's just kind of stringing all the things together that, that we're supposed to be. And it's like, yeah, you could also just, I don't know, be a regular LGBT politician and not worry about <laughs> yeah. checking off the right boxes to, to claim that you it are who tacky. you are. It was just tacky. It was very tacky. And it, it makes it more tacky because he's on our side of the aisle, of course, and yeah. it's not cool. Whereas, like, I'm sure Republicans feel the same way when, like, Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm not likening him to them, yeah. but, like... I'm sure they like like you know standard Republicans probably roll their eyes when they do something insane or crazy in the yeah. same kind of yeah. way. So principally, it is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said uh, um, he did say that he's gotten an overwhelming number of messages from folks that have seen the clip um, that tell him I looked up something as boring as the emoluments clause in the Constitution to learn more about what you were talking about. So maybe he's well. doing. The Lord's well, I, I'm, I'm heartened to hear it, but I don't fucking buy a, a minute of yeah, that. Yeah, well, I don't either. A, a, fun, a fun little bonus is that this is for Alan, basically. In 2023, he marked the conclusion of Black History Month by taking to the House floor to pay tribute to Beyonce by saying, and quoting uh, Wendy Williams, she's an icon, she's a legend, oh. and she's now and forever the moment. So <laughs> Such a bummer. What's this, what's this guy's name again? <laughs> Robert Garcia. Oh my god. He's from Cal- he's from California. God, so ta- yeah, from the I think the Palm Springs area. Um so tacky, so tacky. You know. <laughs> looking looking him up now, I'm going to have to rewrite some of this to quote, page this evening. To quote Wendy Williams, clap if you care. <laughs> Not even joking. We are joined today by a very good friend of mine, a musically inclined friend of mine, which is strange for me because I'm not a music person. Kim David Smith. Hello, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. The joke joke on this podcast is Elliot is very much a music person. He's a singer. He has a whole like musical show. Brent enjoys music. He's definitely musically. He's. I wouldn't say he's musically inclined, but he enjoys listening to music. I Pro music. Well, he can yeah he can sing but only in the style of Mary Travers from That's Peter Paul Mary yes. and it's a style it's a and style I do she not, ain't using um, it I don't I don't understand music I just don't get it there's something about there's a problem with me and I understand that no I I know you don't enjoy going to concerts and look there's a lot that I don't enjoy about going to concerts. I don't like waiting for things. I don't like, and this isn't about Madonna's business. I don't like, you know, when you're just there for hours and nothing's happening yet. You're like, come on, Kim Petras, get on stage because this DJ is. um, Well, I'm glad you brought up Madonna because one of the questions that I always want to ask someone, especially because you're Australian, so you have a thing for Kylie Minogue, not just because you're Australian, but because, I mean, I'm sure that helps though. I'm sure the Australian connection helps there for Kylie, right? Yes, yes. It's interwoven into but the fabric of the But there's always been a thing universe, of sure. Kylie or Madonna in certain queer groups. And I want to know if, how do you think they stack up against each other? And do you hate Madonna? Um, all right. So, look, a, a lot of my husband and I spend a lot of our time talking about where Madonna went uh, I don't know, astray, awry. I'm not going to say wrong. I'm not the boss of anybody. Um, obviously, Kylie is my Jesus. Uh, I say obvious, but that's if you know me. Obviously, Kylie's my Jesus. Um, she and I go way back. I was six when I got my first Kylie record on vinyl. It was her first album. It was at the McDonald's party you room. You were six? Um, you got a Kylie record at six? <laughs> that's six. so... Yeah, that's... Um, that's iconic. <laughs> wow. That's iconic. That's an iconic <laughs> moment. Yeah, I, and of course I've still got it. It's um one of these days I'll throw it in her face and be like, please sign this for six year old me who is still me. Um, anyway, um and so so the, you know so, so Kylie's she's omnipresent. She's 
evergreen. She's always there. She's always, she always has been. Uh, Madonna came into my sphere of reckoning, uh, I think when I was 10, when I was running around uh, the playground at school hmm. singing erotic, erotic, you know, just having yeah. a great little campy gig time. Um, I, I feel like her 90s resonate with me so majestically, so powerfully. Girly show down under, I didn't go. Um, where did you go down under? Um, but just, uh, just, just so, so cool. The joie de vivre yeah. is there, you know, she's just really just and killing it and loves being there and loves doing whatever nonsense she's doing. I don't necessarily get that vibe from yeah. her nowadays. And um, so for me, the, the, the Madonna question mm-hmm. is very era dependent. I feel that. I mean, I, I would agree with that too. I, I loved pretty much every Madonna era except for the current one. <laughs> well, I don't mm-hmm. know. If, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. stopped having eras after, I don't know, that the, like she had her like, uh, Georgie, what's that guy's name? Giorgio Moroder yes. era when she was doing the like hung hung up and mm-hmm. stuff. But then I feel like after right. that, it sort of morphed into like kind of wanting to do like a Nicki Minaj thing. And then it again, I don't, I'm not a like I like Madonna, but I'm not a huge fan, so it's hard for me. Hard, I, I mm-hmm. don't follow that closely. Mm-hmm. What I do think is really interesting is the idea, well, not idea, the ubiquitousness of Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue just pouncing right back into the mainstream or I guess the not, not gay mainstream, like Padam Padam was like a very popular song, which yes. I just downloaded by the way. I wow. just downloaded well, it. That means it's, it's made it. If, <laughs> if, we like to hear it. If it's in the gay mainstream, it usually takes like six years to get to Brent. <laughs> but I love that. Do you know who Carol Channing is? Yeah. <laughs> I just um, love that she had that resurgence because the song was just un- – Oh, my un- God. There is no – it was like the ultimate earworm. So good, didn't take itself too seriously, and just – it just hit. Mm-hmm. It just hit, and I just – I do love that for her. Oh, me too. And I was like – at first I was like, oh, my God, best thing ever. Oh, my God, way too short. And then I thought, no, no. It's like – it's 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 a little uh, – it's a little petit fort. You know, it's just this lovely little – and you want another one, and you want yeah. it again, and again, and again, and again. And then, you know, yeah. let's get those plays <laughs> Whatever happened know? to her sister? So, uh... Isn't Dan- Danny Minogue her Isn't sister? Isn't she an actress? What? Whatever happened to Danny? Oh, Danny's having a great time. She's living in Melbourne. She's designing a, a petite range for Tajay. Wow. Um, she's. Uh, I think she just put a song out. I is she think. famous? Un- is think. she famous in Australia? I mean, she's not Kylie, but is she well known in Australia? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's she's UK, Australia, and probably pockets uh-huh. of elsewhere yeah. famous. Um, I mean, if I saw her down the street, I'd be screaming out, oh, my God, Danny Minogue, how are you? Um, so, you know, just wherever I am and then England and the UK. Uh, but she, like, for, for example, Kylie did uh, World Pride last year in Sydney. And during All the Lovers, like, just, just as the second verse was, was bubbling out, she's like, I've got a little surprise to you. And then Danny Minogue <laughs> shoots out from the center of the stage. The crowd goes Fucking yes. bananas. Can I say bananas? <laughs> Fucking bananas. Um, you know, like, it just goes absolutely nuts for her. It's like, it's, it's kind of like whenever I see yeah. Raven, Drag Race Raven, on TV or anything, even that meme that's going yeah. around right now behind every gay person yeah. is a more evil gay person than there's Raven yeah. looking so fucking evil. Can I say evil? Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm a big joke recycler. Um, you and Brent, you have that yeah, in common. Um, it's like... It's like <laughs> yes. Neat. Um, it's it's like that. Like whenever I see Raven, yeah. I, do, I I lose my little mind, and it's kind of like it's it's that. It's on. She's like definitely enclave, like yeah. enormously. Definitely. Well, before we get lost in the Kylie, Danny, Madonna situation, that we could. I know. And you. I know. I, I know. We want to talk day. a little bit about you and what you're doing right mm. now. I should say is at Joe's Pub. You have your show, which is incredible. Which I mean, tell us a little bit. It's. I mean, it's called Mostly Marlene, mm. dedicated to Marlene Dietrich. I do feel like yeah. Yeah. you might need to explain mm. the gay uh, power of Marlene Dietrich to Brent, but also to many listeners too, because I feel like even Elliot probably doesn't know Marlene Dietrich too well. I know who she is. Yes. And I, I have I, no I, idea who that is. So yes, that's go ahead. Sad to me. Oh. Well, I'll be all right. Go ahead, Kim. <laughs> Look, for me, Marlena is a lot of things. 
for the world at large, she's a uh, a golden age film star, sort of the rival for Greta Garbo, um, and just kept working. So I guess she won. Um, she's uh, she was uh, 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 a bisexual queen. I describe her as a queer bicon. Um, was married for about fifty years, but in that time fell in love with. Uh, women and men again and again and again and again. Just, I mean, and it's, my show is not an exercise in slut shaming because yeah. some of us got avoid that. Um, but uh, basically, she's just uh, for in certain circles, uh, she's uh, the epitome of glamour. I find her to be utterly statuesque yeah. and ridiculous. Uh, for example, in her later career, because uh, she, she, you know, movies, movies. Uh, uh, very, very famously sort of set in and around uh, Weimar era sort of cabaret. So always had that sort of like, was the first woman to wear a suit on screen, I believe I'm correct in saying that. Um, at least once she docked in uh, New York, she, uh, after um, uh, getting her contract here, uh, she, uh, she, she caused a massive scene by uh, uh, de-boating, uh, uh, disembarking him um, in a pair of pants. You know, I was just, I, she was wild. A she was like scene? completely like a massive mm-hmm. scene. It's a pair of men's oh flax and everyone went absolutely crazy about it. A broad um, in pantaloons. Right. <laughs> the, the city goes right. nuts. The God, God forbid she get a cod piece. Um, uh, I have one, yeah. Really have one. Um, yeah, right. Um, yeah, and she just uh, basically she's very famous for uh, nowadays for a, a handful, if not just one song, um, but has this great catalog. Uh, to me, I, my father gave me a biography of hers when I was 15. I've just been sort of absorbing little snippets and bits and bobs. And then, uh, and because I do a lot of the Weimar period rep, so 20s, 30s German uh, and French uh, music is kind of my uh, bread and butter, if I were to eat much in a way of butter. Um, and uh, so I've, been, so I've been doing this for for some time. Actually, this year is my 20th year doing cabaret. It's my 20th wow. year performing with my little uh, antique top, pop-up top hat. I can't believe I've still got it and it still functions. I realized that earlier. Oh, you really do have a, a, little, a, uh, a top hat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got this absolutely stunning uh, custom. Yeah, that was the police. Was Brent's, the police? Brent's police are there, everyone, but he's fine. He's um, fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the money. Um... Uh, I, yeah, I wear this like fabulous custom leather tuxedo, uh, courtesy of uh, 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 Miodrag Gubrinik, who does a lot. Of, actually, he speaking of his work mm. on Madonna on the latest tour, on uh, the last, the other tours as well. Um, you know, not so. <laughs> we pick those names up. Um, uh, and, and so, at the top hat completes the look because Marlene is known for either a nude illusion dress, which is this shimmering sort of nude dress dripping with sort of crystals and, and gorgeous beads. Or just being. Oh, I a only knew of her. With her top yeah, hat I only knew of her hat. with a top hat and the. What's the cig? Is there a name for the cigarette that you hold? That's like the long cigarette that you would, didn't she smoke like a long ladies Cruella Deville yeah. cigarette? It's. <laughs> it's literally a cigarette holder. Is what oh, it's called. Yeah. I wish they were a fancy yeah. name. I think I think that, I actually think they're called long it. lady cigarette holders. Uh, that's what they used to call what them. What happens at the show? Tell us a little bit about the show. I mean, you're looking for your cigarette holder, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally have one in my desk drawer. <laughs> I can't find it. Um, so stupid. Um, and so and so, my show. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's named mostly. It's entitled mostly Marlena, uh, but it is mostly about myself. Um, uh, and it's all it's out of my sort of illiter- alliteration fantasy. It's, it's uh, Marlena, Manelli, and of course, Minogue, oh. and a little Mirtha Mix. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly those three gals and just the way that I have, and because, you know, as, as you may know, agree, uh, disagree, um, I feel that like a lot of us queerlings, we find ourselves through the prisms of these, oh, these yes. glittering oh, yes. and fabulous women, you know, and it's about, I grew up in the country, I was rewinding mine hair over and over again, I was doing 
the locomotion and See, the different and, uh, the difference is you, you were know, doing just... that elliot was rewinding um b arthur on the golden girls i'm laughing cause... i was obsessed with maya mm. angelou and 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 brent brent was getting off to sandra <laughs> day o'connor so it <laughs> we're pretty off I brand do love, around i here. do love that brent can't respond in this situation because of the noise in his apartment so we can say anything we want elliot <laughs> <laughs> he's on mute because there's a fire alarm going on off, but I do love it. I love the idea of Brent being saying that he also sees the world through the prism of Manella, Manelli, Minogue, and <laughs> Marlena. Yeah, Marlena. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, Who, 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 well, Kim? Kim, because Cabaret is so specific, and it's also, I feel like, something that most people these days only associate with Luann de Lesseps from uh, Real Housewives of New York. So, like, I want to know, like. I mean, I mean, if you in popular oh, culture, yeah, let's yeah. be real, cabarets either Liza Minnelli or Countess Luann. Oh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not arguing. Yeah, I'm not arguing with that. Look, Liza's how I got into it. I was, you know, watch, watching cabarets as a, as a young little teenling and just sort of being like, oh wow, when when uh, when do I get to be Sally Balls? Um, and then I just sort of kept like uh, researching and whatnot. Went to university for music theater because mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? Um, you know, if you really love money, why wouldn't you? Um, and uh, and I just kept sort of digging in there. I kept doing cabarets while I was at uni. And then as soon as I was freed from that, uh, graduated, I guess is what they say. Uh, as soon as I graduated university, it uh, was uh, 2004. And so that's why I've been doing this. And, and did you go to uni? In, I don't want um, saying uni. Did you go to, <laughs> look at did that. you go in the States? No, this was back in back in We Little. I've been here since uh, 07. Oh, in New York. Yeah, so it's been this this will be my uh in New York and in Boston where I currently am right oh, now. Oh wow. Um yeah, it's yeah. cold. Yeah. That's why I got my got to stay neck. warm. It's quite, quite <laughs> chilly. Um it's a chilly town. Um and uh yeah, all that so all that time since oh, oh, 07. So what is that like so yeah. like 17 years or some such thing. Um and yeah, that, that that's that's and my has your past state. cabaret shows been similar in style to this one? Yeah, look, everything I do, absolutely everything I do is uh, an audition for the role of the MC or cross cards of cabaret in some future production of <laughs> cabaret that I that may not ever occur. So that's just that's my my entire career that I built for myself is a constant yeah. stream of uh, auditions. <laughs> um, and so in <laughs> in that. Like, I, feel like, I feel like so that's kind funny. of what we all do, sort of. Every project, everything we do, every live show right? we do is essentially one big audition for something else. You know what I mean? Like, you're putting out what you want to put out into the yeah. world, but you're also like, and I'm really good at it, too. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and that's so. And so, I, you know, in doing all of this, uh, this Weimar era material, I was at, you know, Pangea. Stephen Holden came along to the show in 2016. Uh, called me the male Marlena Dietrich in the New York Times. Who am I to argue? And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to dive in real hardcore and do yeah. some Marlena And shows. just out of curiosity, so, were there yeah. other artists before her in the past that you have focused on in doing their material? Or did Marlena carry some sort of um, special significance for you? Special significance because of the innate glamour. Her her just her fabulousness her sort of aggressively blunt personality like there's some fantastic later and i i kind of like mid careers yes. for a, and for a lot of people yes. is good right mid careers is a lot of people's golden uh age but um some of her late career stuff she's like she'll stop singing and say who's talking shut up and i just love that i love that so much that's my favorite i have a very a, a very um ignorant question I know who she is, obviously. I know her from, from film. Did she have a good singing voice or was it a singing for the stage kind of talky, singy, B. Arthur kind of not quite musical singing voice? Um, I think, uh, uh, yeah, we could totally In put, that her, uh, put yeah. one of her occasionally, yeah, one of her occasionally very swollen feet sure. in that category. She had circulation <laughs> issues. Um, <laughs> She did. She got shoes like in all different sizes. So she'd be like, mm, my foot is this size and this one's this size tonight. On we go. Um, she organized. 
an organized peasant. Um, well, if Germany is monster. anything, you know, um, they're, if they're not, yeah. any, if they're, if Germany is anything, they're organized. That's true. And she came from aristocratic stock. So it's whether you're organizing other people to organize you or you're <laughs> right. doing it yourself. It's just organizing. It's in the, it's in the blood. It's in the Bratwurst. Um, I, what was I talking about? <laughs> about Marlena Dietrich, Dietrich being not quite a singer. Ah, yeah. Definitely a symbol full of a voice, which is how Julie London described, I love her so much, how she always described her voice. Let's talk about her sometime. Doesn't have to be tonight. Um, she, it's, and it's, a, it's really truly one of the most uh, 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 iconically individual voices, like in, in the way that Eartha Kitt yes. is yeah. extraordinarily hers. Mylena's is her own voice. It's not as musical as it. However, w listening to her, she, uh, uh, one, oh, I have, I, I, there's a review. I love to print out old reviews of hers because who prints? I just do. I just love them. And I love to do little notes on them. Um, constantly researching. I love to research. But in this one that's like literally over there, the reviewer, it's from when she, it's one of her runs on Broadway doing just as herself, which is kind of what I like to do and imagine for myself for my future. Uh, the, the, the reviewer describes her voice as a, as a big fat bumblebee lazily circling its target before it just Land. Mm. Oh, interesting. That's kind of what her voice is like. She sings around the notes in this crazy, sensuous, ridiculous, heavily accented, but really quite spellbinding voice. Yeah, I think I do love novel. that. Is my favorite type of like cabaret singer, I guess you would say. And and I don't mean this. Mm. Uh, I don't mean this to be necessarily tongue in cheek, but I love watching somebody who's not quite a technical singer. Yeah. But that's like, why he likes to watch me sing. Um, exactly. Yeah. I want to see it's just like the Sadie Pines cabaret. <laughs> yes. yes. But I love count. I love. I used. I love Countess Luann's. Uh, or I, I. I. I've watched that unfold, and I see that she is not. So I much like how Elliot. I mm. Elliot took back the love and said, "I watched that mm. unfold. <laughs> I watched that happen." But I love when somebody who's like, "I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a singer." Like Sally Kellerman was a bit actress. Yes. Uh, from we the, know from Sally the 80s. very well. Yeah. Yes, and watch, and I in my in her later years, I would go see my friend Michael would, my friend Michael would invite me to go see her perform, uh, quote unquote jazz, um, and those were some of the best moments of my life. <laughs> so I can appreciate the non-technical cabaret singer, if you will. Yeah. But there's something to be said about having a yeah. tiny voice, but getting your intent yes. across, and really just like just like massaging the lyrics so that the story, the intent, the spell, the spell is cast, the crowd is ensorcelled. Like it's just, there's Listen, I saw B. Arthur's it. one woman show on Broadway three yep. times. Didn't, I've never, I, ah. all of her songs couldn't, seemed uh, um, com completely analogous to her personality, to uh, planet earth. I was like, where are these songs from? Yeah. What are they about? Who, who wrote these? But I couldn't, she, she, the way she communicated them with her presence mm -hmm. uh, was always just so mm. against, you know, like you said, spellbinding. She also didn't mm. wear shoes, which was just a, was just a lovely, a lovely little piece of, uh, of, nice. of trivia nice. and that she, I think she, fell off the stage one oh. night because of her shoes. She like tripped on something. And so then the rest of the run, she was like, I'm going on stage bare, you know, barefoot and did her shows without shoes on, which I love. Yeah. Elaine I mean, style, yeah. you know. She had no pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like, leave the pants at home. Well, I mean, Kim, I guess the last question I would have for you about Cabaret, I mean, first off, how can people go see your show? That's probably hmm. the most important question of this chat. Because it's in New York in right now at Joe's Pub, right? Yes, ever so simple. Uh, Tuesday, the 6th of February, and we are recording it for a live oh, album, great. which is just, um, I can't wait. It's going to be my second live album. I've got a fantastic band, accordion, blah, blah, blah. It's also just so great. So anyway, so just come along, be prepared to hoot, and also... Who's talking? Shut up. Like, I will say it if it's too much hooting. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's that day in February the 6th, uh, Tuesday the 6th. Go to Joe's Pub's website, uh, joespub.org, I think, I believe it is. It's definitely an yes. org. It's the public theater. Maybe it's the public theater.org slash Joe's. People can go. Yeah, I mean, I, I Googled it very easily. So people could definitely Google it. But more, also more importantly, where can people follow you for all of your future shows as well? 
Oh, but of course. Uh, Kim David Smith uh, on Instagram. Twitter, I mostly yes. just use to look at penises, but I will post some show stuff there. So it's like, don't look at my likes. Don't you be looking at my likes. Um, Brent suddenly hops like on. Um, Hi. Hey, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> let's talk penis. Um, and then, of course, threads, which I've got like a couple of thousand followers on there, but it's yeah, like nothing happens, nothing happens there. there it came and went in my, it felt like it came and but people just are still using it, immediately. but it kind of went at the same time. Yeah, it's strange. Listen, just get your, yeah. I'm trying because it, I just, I yes. hate Elon Musk yeah. so much. And if anyone would allow for, for genitals to be flashing across my phone screen in the way that they do on, I still don't yeah, call it, it, it X. No, 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 it does. Yeah. I mean, but yet it is. It's just nothing the sounds only thing that's appropriate about more it than is that. That's how most people do use it for X-rated content at this point. So you know that is yeah. on brand. Yes, and that's what you bought, honey. <laughs> that's what he bought. Honey, exactly. what he bought well, Kim, you know? thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Thanks, Kim. Oh my goodness, it was really fun. Thanks for having me on, you guys. And another thing. So for and another thing, I it looks like I just have my friends on and another thing because we had Jonathan on a couple episodes ago to talk about DC gays and now we have Nate on. And Nate and I were chatting about this great idea of a conversation that I knew would make Brent so incredibly hard. So Brent <laughs> is going to dominate this conversation. But welcome, Nate. Hello, Nate. As my friend, I get to say hello to you first. Oh, hello. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so so Nate, you entered you entered our ethos because Alan, you are obviously very good friends with Alan, but also uh, in the past you have you are a masseur, yes. and you also are open about how you, as a masseur, sometimes you provide, uh, I guess, what is the PC term, happy endings, perhaps, um, and. And and so you wanted to have, because th this is also something that kind of largely gets glossed over, I think, by our culture. And so we thought we could have like sort of an open and, and free flowing conversation about that with you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. let, me, let me just say all Elliot and I want to do right now is make fun of Brent endlessly i i don't understand <laughs> how you're already snickering i'm trying to have a conversation with someone who came on our podcast that has an interesting Just ask your question. perspective ask your question. go on good lord <laughs> it's funny it's funny all right first of all has elliot been a client no um uh so so I guess, tell us, like, start from the beginning. How did you get involved in the industry? Yeah. Well, so I got involved in massage work probably about six years ago. Um, previous mm -hmm. to that, I had worked in entertainment, um, as is yeah. most of our stories getting into this work. Right. <laughs> um, um, right. That kind of went up in flames. I found out the company I was working for was an international money laundering scheme, and yeah, that sounds, yeah. sounds about right. That sounds pretty, <laughs> pretty most, standard. Most of them are usually exactly. like that, yeah. Um, I was sitting there just trying to figure out how the fuck I was going to make... Oh, can I say fuck? Is that okay? Yes, please. Cool. Yeah. Um, how I was going to make money. I was rubbing on my my partner's foot feet. And he was like, man, you should really mm -hmm. do massage. And I laughed at him. And I said, that's the mm -hmm. stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And then cut to a year later, I was making six fig figures doing massage. Legit massage. Oh, wow. With, well, not all legit. It's kind of, at the beginning, it's more happy endings than you want it to be until you yeah. get into sure. the groove of the kind of work you like to do. Mm -hmm. So Did that, you, I mean, that leads me to my next question. What, like, what's a breakdown? Let's say in that first year, what percentage were folks who, you know, wanted happy endings and what percentage wasn't? Um one thing, one of my early friends told me getting into massage was that everybody wants a happy ending. It's just if you're willing to get, give it or not. Um, um, sure. And so like, that's kind of an oversimplification of it. Um, but early on, it was probably about 70% of people wanting it. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's working at mm -hmm. the quote unquote, legit companies. Um, where you ha mm -hmm. once you're out of school, you've got to go and start w working from the bottom up. No pun intended. Um, yeah. 
That's at the legit. That's a legitimate like must like oh, spas. Absolutely. Um. So that's at. Oh, yeah, interesting. Like, I'll just say it. like massage envies, the equinoxes, the all these very legit oh, places. Yeah. Um, I never did the Burke Williams because I didn't want them to have a peephole in to seeing what I did. Because uh, a what a yeah. peephole? They they have oh on God. all the doors. Isn't Burke Williams a high end yes. spa? And that's how they avoid you having yeah. sex in their rooms. They they oh. have a little. So there's, but, there's always a peephole, so you might exactly. be watched. Oh wow. So you're saying that seventy percent of clients want to have a happy ending or whatever you want to call it at places like Massage Envy and even like an oh, Equinox. Oh, absolutely. I would say more so at the Equinox than at Massage huh. Envy. Um, do do are you afraid of get like are are you afraid of it of getting like like let go because of that or is that like is that dangerous to have to deal with as a as a masseuse. Yeah, what's that fine line? Because maybe I'm sure Massage Envy does not want you to, to be right. doing that. But also, you know, so yeah. So what was that line, so walking that line like? It's really weird because you obviously, when you're doing like Massage Envy, you're always doing like eight or nine massages a day. So you're exhausted. You're kind of, you're mm-hmm. new oh to it. God. So you're still kind of getting your feet wet, figuring out how to interact w- with people. Um, in this very unique setting. Um, and so at the beginning, I was very he- hesitant. I would get um, it would get hit on or really just molested a lot. There's a lot of groping yeah. that, that happens where you're at the beginning and you're kind of like, uh, do I want to go with it? Yeah. Do I not want to go with it? Are they actually going to tip me money? Mm-hmm. If, am I really only going to mm-hmm. get the $18 an hour that Massage Envy is paying me or will they give me a good enough tip? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. um, and so you have to kind of figure out um, what the, I would guess the like unverbal um, cues. Cue. Yes, thank you. The cues yeah. for it all. Yeah. Um, and so that first year was a lot of stress f- figuring out how to how to how to cre- create my my bit business um but we by the by the time i was out of massage envy and moved into like the equinox world um i worked at two pretty high end ones in Lo- los angeles um and oddly well they're both pretty pretty handsy usually every day you if you didn't get groped you you were asking your friends, like, do I smell bad? Do I look bad? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right. Well, I also have, I have another question for you. So I guess my assumption coming into this is that when you're talking about these handsy, you know, wildly disrespectful individuals, um, like, are we exclusively talking about gay men? Did you find that it was some, that... Did you find it was some straight men as well? Did women ever have any sort of like, did you ever give massages to women and did they have any sort of sexual expectations? Um, so women, much less so. Um, you would kind of get a vibe every now and then, but also I've only interacted with a vagina twice and it was only one. So mm-hmm. it was scary enough in college. Mm-hmm. I was and you were giving birth. You were, you were Somebody was yeah, giving right. birth. So you yeah. were just kind of being a good exactly. Samaritan. Um, and so for women, it's much easier to sway away from that and kind of just stay, say professional, whereas men are much more grabby, um, Mm. even Mm. straight men. So at one of the equinoxes I was at, it was not the big gay one in West Hollywood. It was one (laughs) that you're down down in a basement, the spa's in a basement and it's, it feels very cave-like. And so people, when they're coming in there, um, you get a lot of closet cases, guys coming in who are just either they're wanting to experiment or they, you know, they just they're they want to play with a dick, and so yeah, you know, at that point if they're mm. gay- That's, is there is there sometimes like with those guys like a like an expectation of because there is a role dynamic of sort of like the gay guy, the gay massage therapist, and the straight dude getting the massage. Is there like an expectation of? you know you want this, so jerk me off kind of vibe. You know what I mean? That does happen, yes. Um, and those are usually the like the worst interactions you have just because, mm-hmm. I mean, 
that's not that's not a that's not a reciprocal or that feels yeah. like a demand. Yes. Certainly not therapeutic. Yeah, certainly yeah. not. Um, but usually yes. it's it's those guys. Once you flip 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 them over, you no- notice they're hard because you're above the table, mm-hmm. and then they just start flipping their dick, just flexing it. <laughs> so you just see it Interesting. Wow. The universal huh. sign of touch it, touch <laughs> yeah, it, touch right. it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> now. What's it like for you? So, I, I, I guess to take a step back, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised to hear that people don't sort of establish boundaries with you first, oh, out of sheer respect for uh, us all as humans, but also because you know you're going into a massage, you're spending money for a massage. I would think you want to be on the same page with someone you're dropping two hundred bucks mm-hmm. on, because you know, obviously, it, you know, you are autonomous. You can say no if you want to and like they're they have to leave so i'm i'm surprised and I, a little disheartened to hear that uh is that still the case or was that more the vibe you got it was at more, more the vibe when you're working at, at a location because you yeah. you run the risk of any time you go to speak to ma- management about it their incentive is to keep the paying client and so mm-hmm. yeah. you run the risk of getting blacklisted a bit from getting as many clients. And so mm-hmm. I, they are always more prone to firing the, mas- the massage therapist as they are to dropping the paying client. Yeah. So like, God. I, wow. It's, yeah. And with setting boundaries, because it's technically illegal, Anytime I I have somebody who's t- texting me like, hey, can I get, get a blow job? Is that going to be 50? Is that going to be 100? Like how much money is that going to be? I can't safely respond to that text because then it's solicitation. Right. And yeah. And so as a way to protect myself. You, you, you would get that. You that people would have that. Like this is actually to Brent's point. I'm confused what like that anybody would establish that boundary in a, a situation like this, especially in like a high-end gym or a, a, a spa massage envy kind of place. Like, I feel like that would be uh, problematic to establish this like, you know, sec- sexual Absolutely. service. It's incre- incredibly problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, it sounds like you kind of have to like, like improv. (laughs) So how do you, I mean, now that, you know, if you're not in an establishment, you're not in a place like Equinox or whatever, and you're in your own Mm -hmm. sort of your own setting, how do you establish that kind of communication now with clients, you know, that consent communication? Yeah. So that it happens um, because my my business is largely referral based now, it happens Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of two, twofold. If it's somebody new coming in, um, we can have that that discussion in person, and that's usually the the safest. But if it's coming from from a client who is constantly wanting to suck on my dick, I can kind of assume that this referral is that's a high pr- probability yeah. of it happening. Yeah, you're reading a exactly. vibe. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I have another question, and this has sort of always been my my number one question when you, you you're a masseur like this. So, what's it like to go to someone's place? Let's say you have a new client or whatever. You go to someone's place, and you really, really don't like either their vibe or, let's be blunt, what if you're really unattracted to yeah. them? What is that dynamic like going into a home or having someone in your home for a massage, and you're like? Yeah you know, you're really yeah. not into it. Um, well, the power d- dynamics of of going into so- somebody's home, it's much less safe than when I'm br- bringing them to my kind of, my my, my lo- location. It's not at, at my home because my roommate would kill me <laughs> if I was bringing yeah. tricks in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then uh, when you're, when you go to so- somebody's place, so early on in my career, I didn't ha- have my own office. So I was is much more alcohol based, and for that it's scary. You're showing up at some, some guy's house. You've only mm-hmm, talked mm-hmm. to them once or twice. You kind of have a vibe that, I mean, it's a gay guy, so they're probably gonna, gonna want to fuck. Um, so mm-hmm. you go into it, and 
it's all going back to that that improv the 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 vibe the vibe yeah. check but yeah. i did for that that first year of working doing those house calls like i had a po- po- pocket knife in my massage bag wow i was gonna say did you have bear spray brent carries bear spray or pepper spray i was gonna it does sound it does sound like a very to be honest like a a, a scary situation like you really don't know what you're yeah you, really you don't know, know what you're, you're walking, walking into, into. Yeah. but i will say for me i was super prepared by this because i was trained to be a mormon missionary and in that, you get really good at oh. learning, feeling vibes going into to people's houses. And so that was kind of a skill I had from a whole different world that I, I was able to, to use coming into this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I, you know, I've, obviously we've all met plenty of folks on Grindr over the years. And, and as I've spoken about openly on our podcast, I've engaged in what I like to call strip club style behavior in, in my own life. And, and, and I will say... I'm always, you're always afraid before you meet someone that you've only seen online or you've only texted with what they're going to be like. And I, I still don't think I've ever had someone in person who, because I, I ultimately meet gay men, I've never had someone who in person was truly like, distur- like weird or unnerving or scary. Yeah. Uh, I think ultimately they show up, they're a gay man, and you're like, all right, you know, even if we don't hit it off, you're like, all right, I can do this and I'm not terrified of this guy. Um, uh, have you experienced, like, ha- have you had the opposite? Had, do, have you a couple times had someone that you were, like, truly like, oh, this person's a little scary to me? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's been times where um, the the kind of the flow of the massage, for me, is you're feeling out the vibe the whole time, and you're trying to control how far it goes. And, like... For, for times when it gets scary, it's that that, that person has t- taken control of all, the entire ses- session. And so mm. you kind of, you're a bit at the mercy of it because you're poor and you need the money at the time. Um, yeah. But like, mm-hmm. there's times where you've been, you're, you're sexually assaulted more than you were prepared to be going into it, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. sucks. Um, and that's a large yeah. part of why mm-hmm. now I've kind of I've worked hard over the last five years to create a space where not only I'm safe, but those clients I decide to see it's a safe space for them. Because mm-hmm. when you when I started getting into this work, I realized I could go the route of like the escort, the just hardcore sex all the time. Or I could mm-hmm. lean it more into the, th- the therapeutic, getting more into almost like a sex therapy sort of thing yeah Mm -hmm. um that's and that's something that i really appreciate about sort of what you do just you know having friends who've visited you and like just knowing your work in that the mental health benefits of being seen sexually no matter what your body is and knowing that people need to be touched both therapeutically because of you know pain and whatnot but then also too you know being touched intimately because that is a very intimate not just even just with the happy ending situation but it is a very intimate situation to be in and so to be able to be touched in that way i think is really important for people to have that in as a as sort of a release in their head in a way you know yeah absolutely absolutely a lot of my long-term clients they are people who are either struggling with um i mean most of my work's in LA, so it's a lot of body d- dysmorphia, but it's all here, <laughs> right? Hey, right here, baby. <laughs> here in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and so that, but also you have um, chronic, chronic con- 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 conditions. Like one of my clients, an older j- gentleman that I see pretty r- regularly um, is uh, suffering with par- Parkinson's. And so that, yeah. that session, even though it's technically sex work, it's, it's much more common as ner- nervous system. Like I'm very, very in touch with what's going on with his ner- nervous system. What's his blood flow like? What, how, how mm. can I calm his muscles down? And what's really re- rewarding about that is by the end of the session, his tremors have stopped. Mm. And oh, so wow. you start... Mm. Getting teary-eyed here, Nate. Come on. Getting, that's honestly that's getting part teary-eyed. of why I stay in it because yeah. there's a lot of the sucky part of it. 
I mean, some of the sucky part of it can be fun, but <laughs> ba da boom, Jing. Nate's a comedian, y'all. <laughs> now, I, I got another question, and and this sort of leads me to my other question. On the flip side, do you have clients that you're like really attracted to, and you're like thrilled <laughs> that you know you're like, hey, this is someone I might have met otherwise, and and we work together, so like you get excited to Absolutely. go there. Absolutely. Um, there's one client I met at Massage Envy probably within the first couple of months of working there. So I've been seeing him for six years now. Every time I get, get a text, oh, wow. I'm like, yes, I cannot wait. This is going <laughs> to yeah. be so much fun. Um, because oh, wow. A, the sex is fucking fantastic, but we've kind of created this fr- friendship. Um, and that's the thing yeah. a lot of people don't think about with sex work is how much you learn about pe- people's lives. Like they're, they're coming in and they're t- talking about their husbands or their wives they're talking about their kids and what kind of issues are going on there. Um, the stressors at work. Like I, I have clients that are high up in the stu- studios. So it was interesting as the, as the uh, strikes were w- winding down, they, I know where you're going with this and I'm already annoyed, but yes. <laughs> but no, they started c- coming back t- to seeing me and I'm like, Oh, this, the strikes get going to end because they're getting yeah. more com- comfortable with, with paying paying the fees <laughs> oh wow yeah. wow wow and so, yeah. <laughs> like, the sociological mind fuck that is sex work is fascinating to me yeah what what did you study to become a masseuse and like do you um do you do like uh, there's like what like deep deep tissue swedish tot like what specialties or areas did you learn or yeah. focus on? So getting into massage, I had kind of a leg up because in my undergraduate studies, I was a, a, a pre-med. So I studied an, an anatomy on c- cadavers. I studied molecular biology and all that shit. Um, and then I kind of lost it for my so- sojourn through entertainment. So when I went back to massage school, it was super easy. It was about a year of study. Oh wow! Of going through, um, you first you you learn Swedish. That's just the basic massage. You learn uh, mm-hmm. deep t- tissue, um, and then I've learned more on the me- medical side because I do work with a lot of post-operative people, uh, which is I won't say never sex work because sometimes it does evolve into that. But no one after li- liposuction wants a hand job, which is yeah, really right. nice. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> and so and that's kind of how i balance out because if i was doing 100 percent sex work all the time it would just be exhausting yeah well isn't massage in and of itself isn't the job exhausting for your hands and arms yeah. i mean i always think that like a masseuse has to do so so much work with clients if they're kneading and kneading and kneading it's like it sounds it exhausting is. um i i so now, because I'm more comfortable and established, I've, I've limited myself to four or max five clients a day. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's just, I've realized if I do any more than that, the next day I'm not going to be able to work. So, what percentage yeah. of your clients do have the sexual component? Um, now. now, it's probably it's probably about 50-50 now. Oh, okay. So it's, I mean, oh. but that does... That's less than I thought, actually. Yeah. But it does yeah. kind of um, come in waves and it typically lines up. It's just going to sound super like wooey, but it tends to li- line up with the the lunar cycle. So whenever we're, oh. we're close to oh. a full moon, the week before and the week after, it's jam-packed with, with sex work. Wow. Just... Maybe there's something about coming during the full moon. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unleash the beast. God, that is yeah. I, I and and now and you don't it sounds like you don't use any of the sites no. to advertise yourself. You just your word of mouth. So you can kind of pick and choose all the folks. And and like what were, did you ever use the sites and what was that like? What was it like getting sort of these random texts, perhaps in the middle of the I night mean, and yeah. stuff? I, I mean I still get get that. Um, the only site I guess you could say was like a massage site was Grinder, because part of getting into sex work to rationalize in my head, so I was like, oh, I'm already on Grinder doing hookups. Why not monetize it? Yeah. And so, yeah. 
Um, that's so Grinder kind of became secondhand, just easy way to find clients. Um, when I'm not having like my regular clients are something's yeah. going on and I just need new clients. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, it was interesting with that because you get a lot of people who don't actually want a massage. They just want like the, the sexting. And so they just mm. want to like flirt through, through oh, chats, sure. which and I'm kind of lazy. Like I'm not, you're not paying me for a text, so I'm not going to spend time <clears throat> texting yeah. you unless you're, yeah. I know you're rich and you're going to be paying my three, 300 an hour rate. And so. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, definitely. How did you decide on that rate or do you change it with different clients or how, how does I, that work? There's definitely a slight sliding scale. Um, Oh, so you're like a therapist. Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to have a little bit of <clears throat> empathy for, for people. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. part of that, at the beginning, you just have to get what you can get. So I was get, I was offering massage for like $60, $75, $100. Um, but the more established you get, the easier it is to be like, you know what? My rate is a bit higher now, A, because I need to weed out people who are just yeah it's just kind of not a waste of time but like i don't have the c- capacity to be doing six seventy five dollar mm. massages a week when i could be yeah. doing sure two three hundred dollar massages mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. i i have tiers set up to where i'm um, just in my th- therapeutic massage i do ha- half rate for trans and non-binary um Simply because mm-hmm. those those sessions hardly become sex work. Um, sometimes they do, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, but then when it's if look if you're like if you're an agent if you're a studio head if you're some, a lawyer <laughs> yeah. a doctor like you're you're getting paid the full yeah rent. yeah yeah of course yeah that makes sense I um. Here's my final question is, have you ever come across someone who you knew and you perhaps didn't know you guys were going to meet at Massage Envy or something, or perhaps you got a message on Grindr and you didn't know you were friends or old coworkers in entertainment? Has that ever happened? And what was that vibe like? Um, oh, that's uh, a relative, an awkward, awkward relative, relative. <laughs> right. my dirt, dirt, dirty Uncle Jack coming by. (laughs) That has not happened, luckily. Um, Thank God. For sure. Especially, you guys know, the gay community in LA is so small. Like, you're going to come across friend Mm. of a friend who's going to refer your friend without them realizing that it's you. Um, That's, honestly, it's kind of like, it can be awkward at the beginning, but once you're, once I'm in a set session with somebody, I kind of try to push away the awkwardness, my my biases about it, and just let yeah. my hands do do the talking and let let our bodies <sighs> kind of c- connect with each other, um, and mm-hmm. see, yeah. see where it goes. Yeah, my I have one more question. Sorry, <laughs> my final question is: uh, Has any are you fam- are you at all familiar with any version? of a bed that allows for somebody to be on their stomach and put their head through a, a, an opening yeah. because it's so comfortable to be able to breathe that way and sleep on your stomach, but not fuck up your neck. I mean, the massage table. Yeah, there's the massage. But what about as a like bed? A sleeping oh, bed? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, oh I want a sleeping oh bed with God. that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could, they, they have like, I'm going well, to have to invent it then, I guess, Nate. I, I guess we'll have to solve the world's problems next time. Uh, <laughs> it would be so good for my, for one's neck. I mean, let's f- figure it out. We could probably make a shit yes, ton of money. I think Shark Tank. This is a GoFundMe idea I, in I, the making, guys. And I also have to add that for our Patreon listeners, we're going to have a seven part series where Brent asks Nate, um, more in-depth questions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. With, with increasing uh, uh, attention to detail. Nate, thank you. kinky massage and the fetishes. And that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> right. can, you, uh, can you draw some scenes for us? <laughs> Nate, thank you so much for 
do for joining us. We would normally ask you where people can find you, but we're not going to ask not gonna you that question. Today, yeah. That ain't going to happen today. So Sorry, thank you, Nate. Reference only. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt say about something she heard on today's show? I wish your fire alarm would go off more so I didn't have to hear you talk. <laughs> uh, uh, my aunt Joanne would say, you know, Kim David Smith mentioned a lot of names, but I didn't hear Barbara. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> How about Aunt, aunt Anne? Anne would say, I learned what a pocket gay was from watching Cabaret. That Joel Gray is very tiny. <laughs> well, pocket right cake. I know that one. Right that one wasn't quite up your alley. I'm sorry. Thanks for but listening. Always a gem, nonetheless. <laughs> Goodbye.